Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Almost at the finish line. Actually, when uh, I've been uh, noticing uh, lately that when there is, uh, I don't know if I still want to call it mindfulness. Tired of that word. Love the practice, the embodiment of it, the exploration of it, but it's another word that doesn't have the ring for me anymore. But when there is presence, maybe I'll call it like this, when there is that quality of present, caring, present, presence, fullness of presence, generous, presence or uh, maybe I want to call it intelligent presence intelligent in the sense that it's recognizing that there's something special happening life you know and so it's uh, our sensitive presence um And I'm still, after 20 years of practice, discovering what that is, you know, the more pure version of it. You know, oh, that was not exactly that. That was a kind of mindfulness that was an acquiring, like looking to get something or get rid of something or, you know. But that other presence more uh, that is uh, non-acquiring, non-violent, non-demanding, that is just meeting because it's there you know recognizing something is there therefore it's worth being known because it came to life you know it's it appeared um so when uh, that is there these days i find that time doesn't apply anymore it's out, kind of outside of time or another it's the timeless it's the it's deep time i don't know how to call it it's uh, but it's here now this is it you know and and that's a way that i can see that it's not that kind of presence that is there or mindfulness that is there when suddenly it's like okay i've done it now you know or you know there's still so many hours left at the retreat 
So that's not being mindful of how many days there is left of the retreat. <laughs> this is something else that is happening, you know. Do you see what I mean? Like the notion of time falls away when the mind is really meeting something. It's not in time, it's... it's uh, Anyway, that's something I'm noticing. So that helps me uh, guide myself a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm in time now. I'm trying to be efficient, or like I'm. So that's not mindfulness. Mindfulness is uh, time opens up, you know. Like when you're with a, a good friend, maybe, and having a conversation, or you're in nature. Suddenly, it's, it's this feeling that oh, time just stopped. Yeah. Anyway, I um, will allow myself to change my mind later, say something else next year. Because that's the beauty of this practice, is that the understanding is uh, unfolding without an end. I think it's uh, with the the other day at the meal with the, the, the team here, the, the ones uh, ho- holding the space, Janet Jill, Bunny and I, I think we were talking, and uh, I said, oh, I, I, I got suspicious of the teachings of enlightenment at some point when uh, somebody, I think it might have been a woman, who pointed out, like, she, she said, oh, it's kind of suspicious to me that it's kind of like awakening moment under the tree, you know? Like, it, it sounds a little bit like a male orgasm. <laughs> So I'm not too sure that <laughs> it's exactly what happens. <laughs> 2,500 years of uh, patriarchy might do that to enlightenment, you know. Make it into one big moment of uh, orgasmic understanding. So <laughs> and so... Uh, I don't know, I'm, uh, I'm touched by the idea of an unfolding of understanding. You know, like, like, oh, I understand what we're doing now. I was doing this after the first weekend of meditation, and since then it's been 20 years of, oh, okay, I'm getting it now. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a refining, it's opening, it, sh- it keeps, it seems like it's like life, you know. It's dynamic, it's alive. So now, the mindfulness I'm experiencing is, there's an interest around the, the experience of time, the concept of time falling away. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Yeah, so I started by saying, oh, there's just, we're almost there, and that doesn't really count, you know, in a way. We're here. So the idea that I had was to talk a little bit about um, one way, another way that I understand the practice, so that it uh, was presented to me also. Um, and so, so I use, I've, I've did that during the week. I, I hope it worked when I did that. I put it in the eye, like personal eye, discovered this, but this eye is an invitation to see for yourself, oh, is that the same for me or different, or maybe it's universal or not. But uh, 
so I've discovered in these uh, sitting and walkings that uh, there is trouble, there's confusion in this mind and heart about what leads to what, and there's all kinds of reactivity. The response is not always wise to what's happening. You know, the mind gets startled and closed down and defensive and, uh, you know, fearful in all kinds of ways. And... Um, you know, angry and uh, wanting, I want, precious, you know, things that later I'll find out that maybe, you know, they were not providing as I was imagining them uh, to, uh, that they would provide, you know, the distortions of perception. So this is happening in this system, kinds of, a lot of uh, distortions are at play. And so... I've uh, understood that there's three uh, levels of uh, protection that this practice offers, and see if it makes sense for you uh, when I describe this. So a first level of protection is that there's this recognition, okay, I'm going home, and I haven't cleared everything totally, you know, it's not like totally wise in there, there's still, you know... (laughs) You know, so 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 the first level of protection is the is the ethical precepts. So I'm putting a first line of defense. Although there is all kinds of I want and I'm and like this and I'm cruel in my mind. You'll pay for this and you know all kinds of things. I'll I'll put a really clear line. You know, like it's going to be contained in some ways. So I'm saying. Uh, I'm actually not going to hurt intentionally uh, other beings. I'm putting a clear line. I'm not going to take what is not offered. I'm not going to hurt with my sexual energy. I'm not going to hurt with my speech or hide the truth with my speech. I'm not. I'm going to be really careful with this. Not so that my confusion, ignorance, delusion doesn't leak so much. It's probably going to leak <laughs> anyway, you know, in all kinds of ways, but not in... Re- so about harmlessness. So this this is very much on the path, you know. There's like, yeah, honey, I... Yeah, we agree. You're, you're a little confused. <laughs> so let's put a line here, you know, and you can, you can establish a level of protection for yourself and others so you don't have to fall into regret and justification and, you know, all this. And so, and also you don't have to spend a lot of time uh, doing reparation, you know. So we'll make these clear lines, and they're not going to be easy to, just, you know, it's not going to be that easy to follow. But at least, you know, there's a, maybe a bell that will ring, like, or a flag that will come up, like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Was this offered freely, honey pie? <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> I deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so that's that first level of protection. So I'm uh, I'm taking very seriously the precepts, and I'm engaging with that uh, exploration. Let's call it like this, or that training. So I'm saying I'm going to actually really, br- this is where I'm going to bring my mindfulness in daily life, you know, to that, to actually, the, the you know, how I intoxicate this mind, uh, 
in what ways, you know, what do I expose my my stomach, my mind, my eyes, my ears to, you know, how do I uh, intoxicate my mind and how can I... So this work, do you see this level of protection? So, of course, that doesn't take care of everything because in there, there's still all these disturbances and... Uh, and uh, yeah, is that the word when you're in a plane and it goes like this? Turbulences, yeah, turbulence and uh, perturbations, yeah. And so, and I'm acknowledging this. So I'm putting the first line of defense, and then there's a second uh, line of defense. Uh, the second uh, line of defense is called in the teaching. So there's sila, and there's also samadhi. So. Samadhi is the gathering of the mind, the mind that is... Uh, and that's what... We've been working on all of these lines of defense this week. Huh? They were, we're all like uh, building them, getting acquainted with them, starting to own, embody them. So that's amazing. We were really walking what is called the eightfold path, the, the direct path to uh, freedom of heart, uh, to... Uh, to, f- to freedom felt and to freedom maybe offered also, a protection experience and protection offered. And so the second line of defense is that maybe I can use this image of the ball that I talked about, you know, when the ball suddenly turns and the mind is secluded, is protected, is protected from the difficult emotions. So that's the second line of defense, is what do I do? I pay full attention to things, and by my attention infusing completely what I'm given, uh, generously giving attention, time, uh, presence to, my mind becomes full, and in that I might experience uh, falling away of the difficult emotions and the seclusion of mind, secluded from these hindrances, so hindrances to our meditation, but what hinders also what? Our well-being in life, our relationship, what, uh, what gets between me and you in a conversation is because I want to say something and I'm not actually totally there. I'm hindered by my desire to be seen or to speak or by my judgment and closing down. You know, by So um, by gathering the mind and giving attention again and again, like you might have experienced here during the week, at some point, there's just the stepping. Falls away the, am I doing it right? Should I be doing something else? Maybe I should, it would be great if I felt something else and I don't like what I'm feeling and, you know, like, oh my God, another sitting or why I can't sit anymore, it's too much energy. (laughs) So all these hindrances, they fall away. We're secluded. That's that's what this training of mind does. At some point, it can, uh, th- if the conditions are right, it comes together, and suddenly there's just wow, stepping becomes many ways to describe it, but it could become just uh, simple, simple. Even people will describe this. Wow, I don't know how to tell you. It was just so ordinary. But the way they say ordinary is, sounds pretty fantastic. <laughs> you know, they said there was nothing special. There was just the branches moving with the wind or the quietness of the room, you know. 
But what was special in this ordinariness was that there was seclusion or the difficult mind state had fallen and there was a simple presence. It might bring an experience, it might create an experience of contentment. For me, it's been... uh, This is something that I get to experience in this practice that uh, touches me... yeah, touches me deeply. It's 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 uh, it's almost nothing. It's it can be almost ordinary, but it, it's not. And and so when when what is it for me? It's in walking. Sometimes I'll I'll go from okay walking, I'll do walking, and then I I arrive at the end of the line, and I'm, and suddenly I'm just interested in turning, and I'm just there. Oh, what is it to turn? And then suddenly I'm like, wow, during the turn, there was, there was contentment. Like I didn't need to be another Pascal, an improved version, the one with that, you know, whatever that often takes my heart, uh, makes my heart occupied, preoccupied, under occupation, you know, is liberated just because there's a, a presence as I turn. And problems falls, fall away. It's not like, am I doing this right? Should I doing, you know, how are they doing, you know? And they seem to, you know, all this falls away and there's just turning. And then maybe kicks in like, oh my God, you know, I want to keep this, I want to keep this, you know, or, <laughs> or whatever else, you know. But for these few seconds, suddenly life's become simple. It's, a, it's an experience of contentment. It's full. I might even be sitting here with a lower back ache and it might be like tolerating, kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm mindful, I'm mindful. You know? <laughs> and at some point, it just falls and it's just become so simple. It's aching. And that, that's it. There's a, it seems, I don't know if that's what it means, but that's what I recognize in my experience that when in English there's this word, and it seems in the practice, maybe it f- comes from another tradition, but suchness, you know? I'm like, oh, it's exactly like this. It's exactly like this. A bird banging on a window. It's exactly like this when the heart is contracted. It's exactly like that. And suddenly I don't need to feel otherwise. So desire has left. I don't need to feel otherwise I'm I'm intimate with this there's not it's a real encounter maybe for the first time in the last 20 minutes it's a real encounter with what I've been mindful of or thought I was mindful of in the 20 last minutes suddenly it's a real encounter oh this is how it is so that sentence or these questions that I bring that I talked about can that be okay can that be known are inviting this, are inviting a renunciation. Renunciation is not renouncing, uh, I don't know, your, you know, it's not renouncing your clothing. It's renouncing what's hindering our life. It's renouncing another version. It's, so it's a falling away of the hindrances. So that's the second level of protection. It's momentary, it lasts a few seconds while you turn, or somebody might say, yeah, suddenly the ball turned, 
like you were talking about Pascal, and it stayed like this for, I don't know, an hour and a half, suddenly there was uh, going from the five hindrances to the seven factors, you know, I left the troubled water and found the open waters. And this is, uh, this is a level of protection. That's the second level of protection. The first is my behavior, my harmlessness. The second one is to find uh, that way that the heart can have a respite. Could that be the word? So I remember a few years back, I had a breakup in a love, uh, love relationship. It was really, really, really painful, uh, particularly painful, that one. <laughs> and uh, it was really hard to be Pascal. You know, there was a lot of grief and confusion and, yeah, confusion, like I would understand the story like this and Ten minutes later, I would understand it like that, you know. Oh, this person is not well. They have mental problem. <laughs> They're really well. I have mental problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was going so well for so long. No, actually, since the start, it was not going well. <laughs> and it was really like, what is the truth? I didn't know what was the tr- truth of that story anymore, you know. And so confusion and hot. And it was painful and uh, and in that breakup, I didn't do perfectly, but I had that first level of protection. So it's not what I want that's going to be happening, and there's going to be a lot of different feelings, but I'm committed to not causing harm intentionally, you know, to not uh, to not using speech to uh, divide, destroy, have pay, etc. And uh, I can't say that I ended up with the bliss of blamelessness because <laughs> it was a little bit more messy than that. But I, I think that all things considered, I, I, uh, I really uh, honored these precepts, you know, and took the best care of them, of that level of protection. And then the l- second level of protection that I had, touching just to say that because it was really so helpful to me, was that every day I could sit for a little while and get quiet and get um, spacious in the heart. You know, there would be just the hanging out with the breath for a little while or with the care and compassion. And then, whoops, it would melt for a little while. And actually, something that was helping me a lot was this. I would sit alone and, you know... May I abide in well-being, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from affliction. And I would chant this a few times, and it, was appe- it would appease the heart. It was calm the heart, gather the mind. And then I would just stay in silence. You know, not debating anything, abandoning this, and just being... And I had this space that I could actually have have a pause from the troubled heart, you know. But that was the second level of protection, not the third that I'm going to talk about. So in that second level, it's momentary. So it means that when I would open my eyes and start doing some things, sometimes within a few seconds, (laughs) you know, and sometimes within a few minutes, suddenly like the thickness, you know, the brokenness would... Appear, you know, 
and then I had to attend to it and and so but there was that's I was giving uh, I could have a little break a few minutes every day and then in that this was very refreshing that's the why there's these practices around it. I don't like the word concentration to me it's a unification of mind it's a gathering it's a concentration to me rings like be concentrated you should be concentrated that's I don't have good associations so it's hard for me to recognize it as that word but that's the word that is used in Buddhist psychology so for me it's a unification of mind a gathering of mind uh, an embracing embracing of the breath embracing embracing fully embracing silence marrying holding, something like that, you know, and the mind finds rest, and uh, in that there is refreshment, there is, uh, it's it's nourishing, it's, uh, and so after I found that I had more courage to go back in the, in the process of grieving that I had to go through, you know, but I had a little bit more courage, a little bit more tenderness, a little bit uh, more hope. I don't know, I didn't unpack it really well, but it felt uh, good, you know, and I felt like I could return. I was not overwhelmed anymore. And so that's a way to talk about this second level of protection, which is concentration, a unification of mind. The Buddha, uh, for example, talking about mindfulness of the body, first foundation that we've talked about uh, a lot about, he, uh, an image that he used, he uh, used the image of a, but- a bottle. And he said, when the bottle is empty, anything can get in. And he, and he would say, Mara, the personification of the difficult uh, mind states, the, the disturbing emotions. He, Mara could come in because the, the, the bottle is empty. But when the bottle is full of water, nothing else can come in. And so that's an image that he was using to talk about mindfulness of body. And he would say, if the body is suffused with presence, if the attention is fully given, generously given, completely given, not attention kept for something else, but totally embracing the breath, embracing the body sitting, you know, uh, then it's like the bottle is full of water. The difficult emotions can't come in. And so, for me, this is a practice. Hands, resting. Not, yeah, yeah, hands are resting. What else this week, you know? Hands resting. Is it possible to give myself fully to that? To let that be fully known? Breathing. Can it be totally known? Or whatever else, hearing. Like not keeping any attention for something else. Like, yeah, I'll give you a little of your attention, you instructing us to give to the hearing, but I'm still busy somewhere else, you know, occupied by something else. No, turning fully. And that's a practice, you know, to learn to do that, to fully hear or, you know, to, to give full attention to the experience of hearing or sitting. And in that, there's a renunciation of other things and uh, that level of protection for for a few moments, uh, there would be... Um, so there is a peace that can be gained, but it's momentary. I remember when uh, we were practicing with Dupandita, I think, 
he would have us repeat this, you know, uh, samadhi, and there would be a word in Pali for momentary uh, release, or you know, and he really wanted us to understand that. Don't go, don't, that's just momentary, and it's extremely useful on the path. It's ex- That level of protection is also important for investigation, because if my mind is occupied by different things, I cannot actually meet reality fully and have insight about reality. My mind has to find some quiet. Yeah? It's not easy to do. And sometimes I've gone on retreat and the mind would gather like this. And other times I've seen there was, I don't know, trouble in my family or unresolved things. I would go on retreat and that week there was not this gathering possible. The mind was occupied. So it's I don't it's I, we can't will it. We can gather humbly the conditions, but um, so maybe this is some of what I was talking about this morning. So wow, the vista opens for a little while, and then whoops, maybe it closes down again. You know, the boundaries of the body dissolve. You know, or. The top of the head opens, you know, and you feel like, wow, it's like the head is open, you know, and then suddenly, at what time is the meal, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Concern for the world, that's how it's described. The the Buddha says, let go of any concerns for the world and give yourself fully to the coldness in the room. Let that be known fully. So that's an art, that's a science, something like that. Yeah? Second level. Third level of protection is panya, wisdom, insight. This is what's going to uproot uh, the misunderstanding that leads to afflictive emotions. And so that's the practice on a long time. Decades, lifetimes... Maybe, I don't know, maybe some, I mean, he's not here, we understand why. Eckhart Tolle was lucky. You know, he went straight for the, (laughs) you know, he sat on that park bench and the mind opened. And and there was a clarity, complete clarity. Um, But I'm happy that the Buddha came and said, you can actually do this gradually, you know, you can be envious of uh, Byron Katie and and Adyashanti and and, uh, Eckhart Tolle, but it's also possible to do this progressively, step by step, you know, and it's actually a beautiful process. Uh, And so that's what we're doing here also this week. We're actually calming the mind so that we can uproot these, uh, this confusion, this, uh, misunderst- these misunderstanding, these, uh, these uh, uh, false mistaken perceptions, this mistaken identity, these kinds of appropriation of things that belong to nature, so we can clarify all this. So that's the third level of protection. So if I don't want to harm others... The first one is that I'm giving myself a, a code, in a way, yeah? And then that I quiet the mind enough so I can listen, consider, and not be attacked by difficult emotions that uh, l- then ripple on other people. And then I have to do a, 
a much deeper work of clarifying what is what, you know. And that takes uh, perseverance, patience, uh, dedication. And so in this week we put a lot of hours into this. That's that's, uh, extremely noble. Some people, and they happen to be wise people, they say there's there's an... that's the best ever use of time. You know, there's not a better use of time than the detoxifying, decolonizing of the heart. Yeah. So that we can actually uh, have an intimate and probably repetitive encounter with uh, the true nature of life, which is impersonal, imperfect, and uh, impermanent. <coughs> Um, and so and this awakening maybe is a gradual both sudden and gradual or something in there and an image that I find uh, appealing or seems to be describing the thing is that um, is the image of a boat that is tied to a duck and um, let's say the the boat is here and there's a, a, a rope and it's tied here, and it's and it's uh, rubbing like this. The rope is rubbing with the movements like this. You know, it's rubbing, it's rubbing, it's rubbing. So the rubbing is all these encounters with uh, ephemerality, one ephemeral thought, and I I'm aware of it. You know, oh, it appeared. Oh, this emotion just flashed by and disappeared, or this image, or this step just appeared and disappeared and that's the rope and at some point the rope of delusion is cut you know it's very progressive but it's sudden so that's what we're doing here we're having a developing a mind of the best quality or heart of the best quality and it just keeps attending keeps attending keeps attending to reality just as it is what is here can it be known? Can it be okay? And then we notice uh, Venerable Analayo, I'm pointing to you now, <laughs> as an embodiment of the... So Venerable Analayo, in this one of his book, an earlier book on the Satipatthana Sutta, big book, extremely interesting, Satipatthana, the direct path to liberation, or something like this, in his book, he has the study of all the four foundations and this text and all the subtle points and comparing this teacher said that about that and this other one interpreted it this way and it's fascinating uh, to read and I've never like colored so many footnotes you know I'm like oh my god devoured it a few times in different directions and at the end of the book he says what uh, I could sum Summarize this whole practice with four letters, you know, of what we're actually doing in our practice, maybe in daily life and in here. And uh, are you interested by that? Because <laughs> I know my mind goes like, yeah, I'll take that. That's going to be, you know, maybe four is one too many for me, but I could at least remember three. So he says, uh, and I don't know if it would still agree with this because, you know, Wisdom being unfolding all the time, and if that's already 15 years old, you know, maybe we would say not anymore. But 
it worked for me. It helped me. Uh, so I have to remember now. Yeah. I know in French it's easy. It's uh, four C's. C, 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 C. In, in English it's K, C, K, C. So what could that stand for? Uh, or say, say, K, say, say, K. So, no, so it's K, C, K, C. So, yeah. Oh, I thought I heard something. Keep. What would be the C? Keep is the continuity. It's a beautiful, deep teaching on not giving up, not forcing. Keep. Keep attending. Keep. Keep. Yeah. Oh, let's put it in there. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a, a, a few good C's that are possible there, but keep calmly. Calmly, so that's the steadiness, the calming factors that I talked about and that were talked about in the seven factors that uh, Bunny brought this morning. So the calming, calming factors. So the keep calmly, without reactivity or as little as possible, with uh, with uh, yeah, calm and uh, gatheredness of the mind. Keep calmly, knowing, knowing. So that's the mindfulness. That's the Caring, that's the connecting, that's the... So keep calmly... Oh, you're liking that. (laughs) (laughs) So keep calmly knowing... (laughs) Almost. Keep calmly knowing change. (laughs) Keep calmly and compassionately and carefully knowing change. And so here this week, that was the, res- the briefly what we were doing. We would sit here and see breath appear and disappear, moods swing, heat come and go, coldness, bird arrive, pass, thoughts, emotion, perceptions of self, of the other. I like her, she's my friend. <laughs> Now that she did that at lunch, you know, we <laughs> fell apart. You know. We don't talk to each other anymore. <laughs> you know? And I want to stay here forever. Get me out of here. <laughs> you know, keep calmly knowing change. Calmly, carefully, uh, heartfully. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's that. You know, this rubbing, this rubbing. Keep Keep attending, you'll notice that the sense of self keep so next time they'll be like you're you'll appear as the turd at the center of the universe. <laughs> you'll know that it will be an ephemeral arising that you won't have to debate it, fight with it, or hide it, you know, I hope nobody sees that I'm that, you know. You'll just oh arising, arising, passing, passing. Yeah. So uh, that's the the third level is that where awakening, liberation, enlightenment can happen is the it's that uh, clarifying the mirage-like nature of experience, the bubble-like nature of experience, the uh, foam by the side of the ocean nature of experience. These are images that the Buddha used. The the empty phenomena rolling on, you know. And all this leads 
All this leads to what? To the four qualities of the heart. What is liberated? Joy is liberated. What is liberated? Compassion is liberated from despair, from reactivity, from fear, from blame, from uh, all the different uh, things that uh, hinders it. So joy is liberated. Friendliness is liberated. Friendliness. It's immeasurable. That's what is uh, described. That's what we've been chanting. No? I remember we were singing, imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable. Immeasurable because it says that that kind of benevolence is immeasurable because there's, it, there's no end to the number of beings it can contain. It's limitless. Uh, and so that's what we're uh, gaining access to, uh, again, slowly, progressively. Equanimity. A heart that is balanced, that doesn't fall into the extremes of, uh, you know, closing down or despair or uh, denial or whatever else uh, it shows. So, and we see this in this practice, and you'll notice this in the next few weeks, not in the next few days. In the next few days, you'll be reactive because <laughs> you're sensitive. So maybe things will jump at you, and etc. But with integration, you'll notice that your friendliness is not just for your little circle anymore or haphazard, you know, when things go up according to your plans, you know, that uh, your benevolence will have uh, extended a bit, more breadth or depth, duration, uh, strength, you know. Uh, and so your, uh, your compassion too, it will come in places where you, there was not before. You'll go, oh, wow. I'm able to hold this with care now. Before I would shut down, lash out, panic, you know, and now I'm like, wow. And slowly in the course of practice, these expand, they expand their capacities. And they feed each other, they, um, they're more like synergy-like, you know. So compassion is, uh, if there was only that, you know, we would be stuck in a world of suffering. But Jai is coming and saying, hey, come and play on that side. You know, what do you notice that is working well? Appreciate it. And if you're in uh, stuck a little bit, and no, it's good, all is good, everything is good, there's something that's saying, come, you can touch the difficult, you know. It's not all good, you know. There's this, and you can allow it to be known, you know. And so equanimity is helping, you have stability, so your, your, your friendliness is not a Facebook-type friendliness. <laughs> and it's a little bit deeper, you know, and... Uh, and it can be shaken. These qualities become best friends. They're the one we uh, live with, start living with, and uh, you know, cherishing and uh, celebrating and uh, thinking. So, how's the energy? Could I go for a few more minutes, mm-hmm. and then I would talk to you about my current understanding of uh, like my uh, my forward edge of like what 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 is my current understanding of what's happening uh, you know at this point in my practice so that's like a, I don't know it's a report of like now like 
this last couple of years, maybe a year and a half understanding. So what I've been thought in words and in uh, what I've discovered in attention, in paying close, uh, careful attention, is that this system here is uh, it's, uh, impermanent, it's ephemeral, it's not personal, that's what I've been told, and that's what I've discovered, that things arise in there, they seem to belong more and more to nature than to a, a certain moi, you know. And so it's impersonal. It's uh, I don't like also impersonal because it it's a little dismissive in my mind. You know, it's uh, so probably we I would have to adapt and I have to find the right word here. But uh, it's universal. It's nature. It's nature. It's not about a certain moi. It's there's something. It's really there. It has everything in there to create a lot of suffering. And it has a, everything in there to create a lot of healing. And that's what I'm learning to discern, huh? how to accompany the system so it doesn't hurt itself and others, but that it, it, uh, it accompanies itself well and heal itself. And so then I go home, and with my family or my friends or my partner or any... Uh, let's say you and I let's take this so you and I we're doing something together what do I discover when I pay attention is that this little system I think I might have said that here before at the beginning of the, this little system has everything in it to create a lot of suffering it also has everything in it to create healing and support and care and you know and it's impersonal and it's ephemeral there's a gathering of these two beings for a little while, the time of a project or something. You know? And uh, and so what am I discovering is that here I was, I discovered that it's really worthy of paying great attention, careful, calm, curious attention. What is happening here? And so in, when I get in that system, it seems like it's exactly the same thing. I'm called to be very attentive to that system, how is it causing trouble for itself? You know, how can it? And by bringing honesty and care and stability, I'm helping the system heal in some way. And when I get to us, like I think of a us is the us, the group, uh, the team. This time, the four of us. There's a us. It's worthy of great attention, of care, and to to discover what it's made of, you know, to be curious about all these same qualities, benevolence, compassion, rejoicing about the system when it's going well, you know. And that's the best contribution I can make. And then I get to this system of this us this week. And then there's the bigger system of us and the... And all these systems, this not being so personal, frees me from fascination with only that. I can attend to all the systems, depending on the moment. If I'm a meeting with these people, and they happen to be these 15 people, then that's a system. What in that system is not recognized, is not seen, given voice? What is shut down? This has been my practice for the last 20 years, to actually attend to things, name them, feel them, you know, and not... Uh, 
And so that's the same thing that I'm called to do. And so I'm going out now and there's choices to make about uh, how I live on this planet. So to the best of my, my ability, I'm going to bring honesty and care and curiosity, you know, and let go of opinions and preconceived ideas as much as I can. Tune in, listen more than tell, you know. And of course I'm going to do this at every level of the scale uh, in a messy way. You know, it's not utopia here, you know. It's much more uh, tricky than that, you know, and I get lost and reactive and shut down and, you know, give the cold shoulder for a while and say no and then think about it again, and you know. But, um, so I like that I'm freed from... I used to think that all the practice was here. It was this. I was taking care of this. I don't believe this anymore. And so I'll give you just a little example of some, some place applications for me of the practice. Is uh, being a white male is something that, um, that is part of my reality and that I have been mainly unconscious of. Um, so... So now I'm thinking not at the individual level, I'm thinking at the group level. It's a complete, well, it's a, it's a different way of thinking. So there's Pascal, Pascal, yeah. I tend, like anybody who's in a, in a dominant group, I don't see that I, my membership, that I belong to a group, the dominant one. The minority, I see really well. I'm a gay man. So being gay, that I know. Because I live with a group that is dominant, is the heterosexual, and I pretty much, I'm aware of that, you know, and uh, you know, and ads on TV and ads when I drive, and pretty much everything is reminded me that I'm in the minority group. But as a in the dominant group, it's really hard for me to become aware of this. I think it's just how it is, you know, like uh, anything I think, anything I have access to, everybody has access to it, you know. And the more I tune in, the more I discover, oh my God, being a white male is playing a lot in my life, you know. Um, And so I want to wake up to this. It's impersonal, it's ephemeral, but it's playing out. And I want to wake up to this. And I had the chance to learn that... uh, Members, for example, I'll take this, uh, uh, my whiteness, comes often with a thing that is called white fragility. Have you heard about this? White fragility, you might be experiencing it now. I'll describe it and see if you experience it. So white, like if you're uncomfortable having this conversation, now you're like, oh, what is he saying? What, if that, that's the white uh, fragility is uh, how often a white person will react when we start talking about race. They'll say, well, oh, but we're all one, you know, and it's all good, and I don't see colors, and it's all good, you know, except here. You know, there's not so many people of color, and they've been courageous maybe to be here this week. I don't know their experience. I can talk to them, but it, it's a sea of white people. You know, is there segregation in this country? Why Why is it mostly white people here? What's happening? And so white fragility is something that happens to white people sometimes when we start talking about race. They kind of crumble. They get nervous, the breath, the, you know, and they get 
either defensive, no, not me, or guilty, and they don't want to feel the guilt, or aggressive, no, you know? And so all kinds of things happen. To me, all this, the white fragility that I feel in me, is exactly the opposite of the practice. And so I want to transform my white fragility, which, by the way, is what keeps the system in place. If we can't have talk, for example, about what's happening with how we treat minorities, and it can be on the race level, which is pretty active, it can be on any dominant group that is there. You know, it can be as a male, male dominance. You know, F- women they tend to know that they are women, but men they tend to not notice so much. You know, <laughs> like their culture, their men culture, and I'm guilty of this all the time. I saw it the whole week in my team. You know. I, I, many, many times I'm like, wow, there's four of us and it's me talking again. <laughs> How interesting is that? You know, Because for me, all my thoughts are important. I was raised with, you know, you know, Pascal, you know, I'm a little, you know, and there's a lot of nuances in that, but a lot of it is, is, uh, is happening, you know. So I want to wake up to that because it's having an impact on the system. So, for example, I'm also uh, cisgendered, like many of us here. Cisgender means, it's good to know the word, the term. Cisgender means I'm, uh, I'm living my gender according to the, my, this, how, the gender I was given at birth by the doctor. The doctor said, hey, it's a boy, you know? And so I'm living as a boy, you know, like I have a beard, I have put pants, you know, and so there's a norm huh, around it. If I showed up here with a dress, your cisgender fragility would show. <laughs> if you have any, you would start being nervous. You know, you're like, oh, well, what's going on? Can I trust him, you know? And so the fact that you trust me is a lot because of my dominant group, because I'm cisgender. So a lot of your trust is because I'm cisgender. If I was transgender, it's not sure there would be as many people here and that they would actually trust me. And probably they would, they, there would be a big chance that I would be questioned. Because often, when I, practice, when I teach in team, I'm, can I be very honest here? When I teach with the, te- in teams, if I'm teaching with a woman of color, often the woman of color will get a lot of negative feedback. You're too like this, you're too like that. You know, she's like that, you know. A certain amount, for sure. More than if I'm with another white male. We won't be so questioned. And it will happen, you know. So watch your fragility. Cause, and you, you don't have to agree with this. I'm, I'm making little suggestions here for things to inquire. So for me, I'm saying all this because what I want to say is, where do I, where do I want to bring, integrate my practice in life? I want to bring my careful, calm, honest, curious awareness and dive under my preconceived ideas. We're all one, it's all good, you know? I want to dive under this and see and notice who am I looking at and not looking at when I'm speaking, you know? Who, who, um, and I've had good teachers for, for this, you know? I remember one teacher I was in the team with and uh, there was, we were three, and another male and this teacher. And sometimes she would say, 
Have you noticed where you looked, Pascal, in the last 20 minutes? Because you're, you're bringing great ideas, but you're all presenting them to this person, to the men, you know? Do you, are you aware of this? And I would say, no. I'm, and then I would start noticing, oh my God, it's true that I turn for a approbation. Uh, like, I tend to go this way. And of course, I was raised in that culture, you know? And so I have to wake up to this, you know? And so all my biases, my uh, vipalasas, I want to actually become aware of them. The biases that I have with uh, people that are a different size than mine, you know? The people who are older, maybe? The people who have a different skin color or culture? or And how I can slightly be dismissive or at, or put on them an idea of who they are, you know? And so my work as a practitioner, also as a teacher, is to notice, Pascal, who do you not see here? Who do you have a preconceived idea, might you have a preconceived idea about? Can you bring mindfulness, curiosity? Who is this person? You know, give yourself a chance to discover something. And every time I do, I discover something that I didn't expect about the person. Yeah? And so that's one application of me of going home is these qualities of careful, honest attention. I want to bring this to uh, my location. I don't know if you can understand that word here used the way my location is that I'm a white gay male and I want to be aware of this in my so- the society I live in, how I give power. For example, I'm invited to teach sometimes and I'm invited to lead the retreats. So they say, Pascal, would you come and bring somebody, invite somebody, we'll let you invite somebody. I'm given power. What do I do with this power? Do I invite my good friend Temple, who's another white male, that I love to be with him? I can easily do this, he's a great teacher. you know. But what am I encouraging when I do that? You know. So what impact can I have? You know, and so um, yeah. So I don't know if in there there's something you recognize that could be of use for you, uh, and so that takes a lot of humility and a lot of attention. And in this way, uh, there will be, uh, you know, uh, knowledge democracy and and uh, cognitive justice because uh, that's what's needed. Here in Canada, for example, uh, you know, we, we have to pay a lot of attention and listen and give voice to a number of people, you know, that are made invisible. Uh, and so that's, that's the Dharma. The Dharma is not something else. This is the Dharma. I, I'm sure of that. I have no doubt about this. This is clear in my heart and mind that the Dharma is there to alleviate suffering. And any system that has suffering in it is worthy of great attention and care and tuning in to see how we can alleviate it. And falling into guilt is of no use because everybody has to take care of you, you become dysfunctional. And so what is needed is courage, is calm, is honesty again. So that's one of the... uh, applications of, uh, of this. Um,
And so I had a bunch of other things to share, but maybe it's a, a dramatic way to finish the talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope these words are, uh, are okay, are the right words. And, uh, and I hope, uh, yeah, I, I hope that all the practice we've been uh, doing this week will be able to find its way in our uh, intimate relationships, in our families, in our workplace. And that's the only point. There's no point in coming on retreat and having a great retreat, you know, and great insight if they're not going to be uh, embodied and incarnated. And that needs a lot of attention. To me, it's the same qualities, really the same exact qualities. That I don't see a difference. Is there a certain amount of calm and engagement here with what's happening? The task at hand, the situation between us, whatever the us is, So let's uh, take a moment just to uh, let the words uh, dissolve here. May our awareness reach every area of our life. And may we become aware of all the, the privilege that we have. Any dominant group that we belong to, may, be, may we awake to that and use the power and privilege that is there to uh, invite in, include, make visible uh, so that everyone in the system can shine and vibrate. May we all, no one excluded, experience freedom. Thank you so much for your uh, your careful uh, consideration. Thank you.